welcome to another powerful message from One Life OK. We really hope you enjoy it. So I just wanted to recap just a little bit on Wednesday night. Um, I was talking about the King of Glory is coming. And, you know, this, in a really short time span, um, the Holy Spirit is is going to demonstrate some amazing things. And I want to just say that that it's impossible for you to miss it because it's one of his promises is that he's going to pour it out on all flesh. So that means we can't miss it. I thought you'd be more excited about it, but that's okay. I know you think I'm setting you up a little bit. Um, but this is a season of great acceleration. Um, and it's a season that um, God is going to be demonstrating things, but um, they're, they may not be so obvious to some. And so one of the things that I feel like he's doing right now in our hearts here, and it's not just here, but, you know, I don't listen to a lot of people preach or I don't listen to a lot of prophetic words or read a lot um, because it's really important to me that um, I just hear purely from him for us. And there's so much out there. And... I would just caution you that that if you are if you feel like you're called to this house to do more than just um how can I say it fill a temporary role till your ship comes in till your destiny gets here and you're just going to if you feel, if you don't feel that way, <laughs> if you feel like God has placed you here, I would caution you to be careful not to just regurgitate everything else that everybody's saying. You know, whenever you begin to step into your destiny, that God will require of you to, to live face to face with Him, to hear no other voice but His. And I'm, and I'm not, obviously, if you're in this house and you believe like what I'm telling you right now, then I'm one of the voices. Obviously, your mentors are one of the voices. I mean, yes. this this that right. should be without yes. explanation, but just for the crazy time. Um, but what I feel like God is doing right now is that he is he's doing it with Christy. So it's. You know, it helps me kind of track it a little bit. But I feel like what what were things that were from the past, trying to navigate this, so just help me, um, that maybe tripped us up or that were maybe used for a different reason. Um, you know, just like what we what I feel like 
just happened in worship that I saw him flipping all these tables of what we had established, even for what we thought was good. You know, one of the things that when Christy reads her word today, I think it'll make more sense. I probably should just let her get up here and read it. We could go home, but I need to talk. So, because <laughs> otherwise I will combust. So, but God often is working with a reestablished system that was never him. And so, you know, I kind of tried to start meandering this conversation with you a few weeks ago. And how did that get down there? Um, and sorry, when I'm concentrating, you know, I can't have anything messing with me. Um, where I was saying that Sometimes God comes to us with a conversation to be had. I was using that example about, you know, I like to use my people so that y'all know it's happening to real people, not just in my head. <laughs> but I use that example about if, if I go to have a conversation with, say, Lenny, and then she, and I trigger her with, because I usually trigger her with this, my vision. My vision usually can trigger her because, you know, she's in charge of the finances. So that makes sense, right? So I usually tell her some big multi-million dollar idea and then she has to say what we what's going on practically. And I'm like, I don't even want to talk about that right now. But anyway, but sometimes in this broadcasting of this vision, since it will trigger her, then we stop and we start talking about the trigger. Remember that conversation I had with y'all a few weeks ago? So, and I was saying, I just said, as I was just throwing my love bombs out to you, I just said, and that happens with you and God some. I don't know if you remember me saying that. But right now, God is looking for candidates that um, are not, spending all of their time on that they are something, but what to do with their something. Yes. Yes. And he's doing this because that when, when he pours his glory out, it cannot brush through. I think there's something in our intestines or something. I can just sense that there's some... By chemical, biological explanation for this. But when something brushes by something, it picks up some elements of what it is on there. A good example of this is like with little dogs. You know, like if I have had my puppy sitting on my lap and I say go over and I see Ditto, then she spends 20 minutes examining every thread of my clothing because she's picking up on a scent. And so it's kind of sort of, that's a good analogy yeah. for me anyway, where that if I have something on me yeah. and then he gives me a word, if that thing that's on me is different or would alter the word, then the display of his glory actually looks like it was just brushed across whatever was on me. I hope that that is enough explanation for you. And so since I believe this is a season of an acceleration of his glory being poured out, that's why I've been talking about for years, covering the earth with the knowledge of how I know him. That's what glory is. Whenever, when the knowledge of how I've experienced him, and see, that's why it's really important that you establish who he actually is. Not what your circumstances made you feel like he should have done for you. Yes. 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 
And so I was talking on Wednesday about, I hope you went home and read Isaiah 40. For all you religious people, you don't have to feel bad right there. But um, but Isaiah 40 is about what's coming and and what he's doing. And see, there's... There is, there are parts of how we interact with God that He wants to change. Because God is continually wanting to expand your experience with Him. Do you believe that? Whenever I was thinking about today, um, yesterday I was I was just kind of dialoguing with him, and I was meandering around. Sometimes I'm it's really specific, like I just wake up and I can hear it, and other times it's more in the hunt. And so yesterday was one of those more in the hunt kind of days. But I heard two things, and it was this. Eventually, it was why do we have such a hard time letting go of unrealistic expectations and where did they come from? And, and so I, I just started reading a story actually about Jesus because the other thing I heard was I heard him say, cause my yoke's so easy. And so I thought, okay, well, I need to go read about that cause I haven't read it in a while. So let's, let's go read it. Shall we? It's over in Matthew 11. And that's the the reason why I went to Matthew 11 was kind of similar to what I talked about Wednesday night where I heard him talk about something that I knew was in a particular scripture, but I wanted to read the whole context. So that kind of happened to me again yesterday. So that's kind of fun, right? But in the Amplified, verse 28 of Matthew 11 says, Come, we're just saying about coming. Have you ever told somebody to come and they didn't and you had something really good? Right? Have you ever had that happen to you? You're like, hey, come here. And they're like, no. And you're like, man, but I have something so good. That's God all the time. Can you get a picture of that today? That might help you with what I'm going to talk about today. Okay? So he says, in the Amplified, says, come to me all who are weary and heavily burdened by religious rituals. Can we stick the religious spirit in there? So it tells you that everybody that has a religious spirit is weary and heavily burdened, right? I have to talk about Phil again. You know, he's been doing sermon notes for quite some time, and Mendel was just telling me today was the first set of sermon notes that she had read of his since his breakthrough. And she's all she should say she said was, Wow, what a difference. So see see, breakthrough releases the weariness and the heavy burden. So, you know, like I always say, I can smell the religious spirit. Can anybody else? Nobody else? Just two people, three? You can now. 
See, part of part of why God redeemed me from the religious spirit is to number one have no tolerance for it. See, y'all think that y'all have to use mercy with it. But remember the person's in torment. It's kind of like saying, well, hang out with that tormenting feeling for a while because I want to be nice. And so, but some of y'all don't know how to wield intolerance very good because you're injured because someone was intolerant or something and then you've got a wrong mindset about it. So now you, you act weird when God says, hey, confront that. But anyway, that's another story. I'm not preaching on that today. Y'all try to get me off right there. <laughs> by religious rituals that provide no peace. Just in a nutshell, that's what religion does. And let me tell you, that's what the political spirit does too. It just does it in a different way. So anyone that is on the bandwagon of all these movements, they're under the political spirit. So it's no different than the religious spirit. There's just no peace. And so since there's no peace and it's a heavy burden, there's no clarity. And so that's the scripture there. And so we'll pause on that for a minute. When I was reading yesterday morning, I wasn't even going to read this until Shudi told me your dream about Jacob. And I was like, okay, well, I'll just read this. But in this book, The Blessing by Brian Simmons, there's a chapter called Subduing the Jacob Within You. And as you know, I'm not going to read the entire thing, but I'm going to read a snippet of it. But the story that he's um, alluding to is, do you remember when... Jacob wrestled with somebody that wasn't a man. Remember that? And, you know, I got a text from somebody last night that said, is your hip hurting? I said, no, but I'm preaching on it tomorrow. And so he wrestled. And one of the things it says basically is that um, God, you know, touched him in his hip. But let's pick up in this book when it's talking about that particular story, okay? It says, it was not Jacob wrestling a man, but a man who wrestled Jacob, the capital one that Jacob saw at the top of the stairway in Bethel had come down to wrestle with him. And they rolled around together in the mud of Jacob's mistakes. The midnight wrestling man had come down to drain Jacob of self. In the mud of that place, Jabok, Jacob finally realized that he was poor, feeble, and clever only in himself. Every time we wrestle with someone, there can only be one winner. One will be pinned to the ground, unable to squirm, squirm, squirm away. Squirm, squirm. Can you picture... Puny Jacob wrestling with this heavenly man. How silly. Yet how often do we resist the pure and righteous ways of God for our own? I feel like it goes pretty good with turning the tables of ourself, right? Up to this point, we've seen Jacob squirming out of every difficulty. Now he has met the one who is stronger than he. The Jacob in you 
must be subdued for God's purpose to be fulfilled. The Jacob in you will have to be subdued for God's purposes to be fulfilled. This midnight wrestling man was actually Jesus. He alone knows where to touch us. He touches us in that place of our personal self-confidence, the hollow of our thigh. The thigh is the strongest muscle in the human body. The thigh is the place of our natural strength. The place where Jacob must be broken. For the sinews of the old nature must shrivel so that our new nature may come forth in all of its power. The goal of this mysterious six-hour wrestling match was to shrivel the old nature. The midnight wrestling man will continue to pin us until he shatters our love of self-will. Our love of self. We, like Jacob, must bite the dust of our own nature. He said this Hebrew word for wrestle literally means to get dusty. The wrestling man forced Jacob to the ground. This was more than an all-night prayer meeting. This was Jacob getting a taste of his dust nature. Has this midnight wrestler ever come to you? Has he come to you in recent days to reveal your need? Have you felt as if some mighty power were wrestling with you for your own good. Fear not. God will finish his work with you just as he did with this patriarch. Jacob didn't know who this man was. He had no clue that he was wrestling with Yahweh himself. The Lord came to uncover Jacob's ways and change his character. Our difficulties must reveal our inner being and show us where we boast where we think we're clever and where we are trying to be self-sufficient. A crisis that is beyond our control is the only way most of us will learn to lean. Christy's word is going to explain all this to you. Eventually, we all discover that the one wrestling with us is our friend, our Redeemer. The prolonged hand-to-hand combat between Jacob and the Lord lasted all night. Then by one simple touch, Jacob's hip went out of joint. This must have been incredibly painful. The Father knows just where to touch us. Isaiah was touched on his lips, but Jacob, it, was his, it had to be his thigh. With muscles 
cramping and being unable to see clearly in the dark night, Jacob wrestled an opponent much stronger than himself. Maybe at first Jacob thought it was Esau who had come to get him. Or maybe he thought this was possibly an enemy sent to harm him. But before the sun rose, Jacob would discover it was the Lord of the covenant he was struggling with. Jacob grabbed a heel, but God grabbed Jacob's thigh. It's through these private encounters with the Lord that we are transformed and become those whose names have been changed. We are subdued by the power of God. Jacob would enter the land with a limp. Finally, the strange man said, let me go for the day is breaking. But Jacob refused and he said, no, not until you bless me. For Jacob longed for the blessing and would do anything to obtain it. To say this from the heart is the secret of true strength. Wait for that. We borrow from one who has everything to give. Our strength is a borrowed strength. We must become weak before we become strong. Our clever abilities will never be a pedestal on which to display the power and grace of Jesus. Content in weakness, we cling to the source of true power. So even in our miserable situations, we have the power to lay hold of him who has the power to make it a blessing to our soul. The entire book of Job is the Holy Spirit's commentary on this scene in Jacob's history. Then out of the blue, the stranger said and asked, What is your name? What a strange question. Didn't God know his name? By asking this question, God was touching not only Jacob's thigh, but also his slumbering conscience. Jacob's memory took him back 20 years earlier in the tent where his blind, aged father had faced him with the same question, and he had said, I'm Esau. And he got away with it. That was 20 years ago. And now the father of eternity had come to him insisting that he acknowledge that he was the one who took advantage of his father and his brother. Jacob means heel grabber or supplanter. The Lord was insisting that Jacob realize the true nature of his own heart. By saying his name, Jacob, he confessed his true nature at that time. I'm a deceiver, a cheat, and my name is Supplanter. This confession liberated Jacob and opened up the way for inner transformation. Jacob was forgiven. Your new name is now Israel. Only the Lord has the authority and power to transform us Jacob was face to face with the God of Abraham and his father Isaac. In the gleams of the sunrise, 
he encountered the light of all life, the light of Israel. His outward limp spoke of God's inward victory and the victorious limp of God's prince, God's Israel. For Israel means prince with God or reigning with God. Jacob had held tightly until the blessing came. Jacob wanted to know the name of the one who conquered him. He said, please tell me your name. Why ask my name? Was his response. We need not ask his name. The conqueror comes in many shapes and forms and can have the name of a husband, a wife, or an obnoxious co-worker. Our Redeemer will come with different faces to subdue our unbroken hearts. Our real problem is never another person. It is always our natural strength. So when I read that yesterday, this is going to make so much more sense to you. Back to Matthew 11. So that come to me, all who are weary, actually starts with this. Verse 1. After Jesus finished instructions to his 12 disciples, he went on to minister in different villages throughout the region. Now, while John the Baptist was in prison, y'all remember the chosen? Obviously, it's a clear picture of this right here. But boom, boom. He heard about the wonderful deeds of Jesus. So he sent his disciples to ask him this question. Lots of questions today. Are you really the one the prophets said would come, or should we still wait for another? Now, I love Jesus' answer because this is the crux of what I want to talk about today. I mean, I would be thinking Jesus said, Dude, yeah, I'm the one. I am. That's not what he said. Listen to his response really clear. Give John this report. The blind see again. The cripple walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised back to life, and the broken and poor now hear the hope of salvation. I love the passion commentary it says Jesus is assuring John that the message he brings is life and salvation, not judgment and wrath. But why did Jesus use those words? I propose to you that he's quoting, actually, I'm going to read it to you, I think, Isaiah 61 and a couple other passages in Isaiah. But because I propose to you that John the Baptist knew that that's what Jesus would look like. In Isaiah 61, let me, I'll read it to you here in a minute. But he was actually, he didn't say, I'm the one. He said, these are the things that are happening. Yeah. You decide. Yeah. Wow. See, the reason why things that the Spirit are doing is cloaked to some is because they don't know what to expect. So let's go back to my original question. Why do we hang on so tightly 
to unrealistic expectations. Where did they come from? The next verse is this. And tell John that the blessing of heaven comes to those who are not offended over me. In the Amplifies, it says, and blessing or joyful favored by God is he who does not take offense at me, accepting me as the Messiah and trusting confidently in my message. Guess what that word is right there, offended. It's the same one I preached on Wednesday night, scandalone. So let's just revisit what that word means. It's an impediment. Does everybody know what I heard Wednesday night? We didn't all know what that meant. It's just a rock in the way, okay? Let's just go with that. I mean, maybe rock isn't it is for you. Maybe it's an old injury. Maybe it's a belief system. Do you understand that God's desire is that you embrace Him fully? If there's anything that stands in the way of embracing him fully because he came to give you life, if there, it is this word. It is this offense. See, don't get offended by offense. I propose to you that all those ways that you feel like people have done you wrong it was you wrestling with Jesus. Have you got there yet? Some I can tell you're in Cafe Newgate right here. See, in that moment that he's talking to John, he said, these amazing miracles are going on. That was the promise. That's what I would look like. However, the greater problem is you're not going to receive or see the kingdom if you're offended by how I have come into the world. If you're offended by what I'm going to ask you to do, if you're offended by the role I've put you in. And see, the revelation of how easily you're offended comes through all your life's experiences. I'm going to pick on Phil again just because I can I don't look much on the internet at stuff, but one day I was on Google Maps and I saw Phil had been visiting some places with his commentary. I knew in that moment he was, a, he was in a wrestling match. See, he had gone on there to these businesses and he had complained. This particular drink had too much ice. This particular company, they didn't put a screw in my engine. See, that was his reality at the moment. Y'all all do this, so don't be judging him. We all do this. Because why? We come into the world, our expectation that is unrealistic is this world in some way is going to get it all right by me. My husband, my wife, my coworker, my pastor, my leader, my neighbor. You know, our neighbors next door to us 
We don't know them. We've tried to, you know, our best to get in there, but they're private people and it's okay. But one day we set some limbs, literally one foot, and they don't speak to us. So one foot over in their yard and it wasn't five minutes before they were over wanting to know when we were going to be moving those limbs. I'm okay with that because we were wrong. But do you understand that I've had people do that to me for so many years. I was wrong. We were wrong. Moo was wrong. She put the branches on their yard one foot. They were right to come tell me. But see, I could have been offended that I've tried to reach out to them. I've given them gifts. I've done stuff. There's nothing. The only interaction we're going to have for three years is can you move those limbs? Do you see how? And see, the thing of it is when you actually surrender, your life is not your own. So God is going to ask you to do stuff. He's going to ask you to say stuff. He's going to ask you to confront stuff. He's going to ask you to let people do stuff to you. I love this word. It says to put a stumbling block. I mean, I don't know if you can. Sorry. I don't know if you understand this, but Jesus has the blocks. I know y'all thought it was your neighbor or your husband or your wife or your children. I knew you thought it was people. (laughs) He's trying to touch you. He's trying to give you an actual event that makes you remember you wrestled with the King of Kings. You want to have this. I know right now you're, you're nervous. But just ask Phil, where would he rather be? Which side of the wrestling match? Which side of the year-long wrestle match? He's been in it for a year. Which side does he want to live on? Believe me, if you're that tormented and you're that offended and there's that much demonic activity going on, you would do anything to be free. And I propose to you, even if this isn't you today and you can't connect with what I'm saying, there are going to be people coming that are in this situation. And so you better shore this up because the truth of it is those little impediments, they are the things that keep the king from running on that highway. I want to read it to you again and tell John that the blessing of heaven comes to those who are not offended, who do not want to see it another way, who do not judge unfavorably what's going on. This is this one word. Who aren't displeased, who are not indignant, who don't stumble, who don't get annoyed. Do you understand what God's trying to correct in your expectation today? He will use tomorrow for his glory. I wish you could make that connection a little faster. I love it. It says this word, this action, it causes people to desert the one in whom they ought to trust and obey. That's the enemy. That's what he did. He started young. 
Anybody that's been abused, he started young. What year will you get over and let him heal you and actually begin to start acting like you were never abused? You were never mistreated. You were never under the influence of the religious spirit. Because see, that's this life. That's why someone in this room will wake up and say, as for me and my house, this generation from me, I can't do anything about my mom, my dad, my grandparents, I, but me today, me today, I draw the line today and I say, I'm stepping over and everything back here is past and I will no longer live like anything happened to me that God didn't know anything about me, that He didn't care for me, that He allowed evil to happen to me for my good. None of that is true. But will you take whatever happened and say, I will not let let me be offended at Him? See, we are stuck looking at our past saying, well, where were you? Where were you? Why that? Why did you do that? Why were you here? Why did you let that happen? Why did I get those parents? I've heard it all. Why did my parents do that? Because they didn't know. You know, Lynn's in a war right now with two and three. Why did you let that happen? No one ever goes back. How far back are we going to go? Let's just start living today. Don't start waiting on something to get perfected or restored or fixed. I love how Lynn can move on. She's like... All of that and all those ways y'all feel, people have been telling me that my whole life. But as for me and my house, she just said one day, it may just be her and her alone. As for me and my house, I will move forward. And everybody's going to have to make that choice because everybody's been wounded. Everybody's been abused. Everybody's been hurt. What would, what would be the option then? We all just gather together in a room and talk about how we're all addicted to stuff and we're all just misshapen and we're all just misunderstood and we're all been hurt and abused. So just gather in a room. Wait, I think they are. But see, I want to gather in a room and do something else. I want to gather in a room and tell enough people can give Him glory that the glory actually falls. You see, Jesus already told us it was coming. So I told you I'd read a little bit from what Jesus was quoting. It's such a good chapter. I don't know how far we'll get, but Isaiah 61, and there's a little bit of it in Isaiah, I think it's, let me look, Isaiah 29 and Isaiah 35. But interesting is that Isaiah 61, I believe, mainly is what he was quoting. And here's what it says. The Spirit of the Lord Yahweh is wrapped around me. Don't you love that? It says that Spirit is actually the Spirit of prophecy. Maybe you can think about that a minute. It says it's upon you, it's in you, it's on you, it's over you, it's above you, it's by you, it's for you, it's through you, it's throughout you, 
It's around you. It's beside you. The spirit of prophecy. The spirit of Yahweh. Why do we need the spirit of prophecy? What did God promise to the prophets? Before he did anything on the planet, he would tell them. That's, let me read it to you again. I don't know if you got it. It's upon you. It's in you. It's on you. It's over you. It's above you. It's by you. It's for you. Through you. Throughout you. Around you. Beside you. Where can I go? It's your awareness. The spirit of prophecy, the spirit of Yahweh is upon you. It's in you. It's on you. It's over you. It's above you. It's by you. It's for you. It's through you. It's throughout you. It's around you. It's beside you. That's what's happening with you. And the interaction now that you know Jesus. I just need to read one more time. You ready? It's upon you. It's in you. It's on you. It's over you. It's above you. It's by you. It's for you. It's through you. It's throughout you. It's around you. It's beside you. That's what's happening. Because, say this over yourself, because, because Yahweh, Yahweh has anointed me. So you don't have to question that anymore. Where can you go? See, he's trying to position you so that you understand that if I live unoffended, I have all kinds of chances to be offended by customers. You understand that I deal with a lot of people and there ain't a, there is not a lot of people that are not trying to be offended. Offending. I had a, just a customer this week that said, you can come work at my house, but I require everyone to be fully vaccinated, everyone to be completely, I just named all this stuff, and we just said, we can't comply. That's coming. It's happening in my little world. See, this, see I know what he's asked me to do. See, you have to be so confident in who you are and what he's asked you to do, right? Yes. You cannot be offended by the places that God positioned you because if you will live unoffended, you will help someone else actually experience offense. And you know what happens when they do? Breakthrough's coming. See, you can't have breakthrough and hang on to the thing that is actually against God. And they're going to say stuff like, well, you shouldn't have done that. They, they say this to me all the time. Well, why, you know, well, I just can't get over it because you shouldn't have done that. 
I'm like, well, it done. <laughs> done, did, done it. I'm clean. I'm happy. I'm free. See, what makes people who are offended mad is that you are happy and free and they are miserable. That's Jesus. It wasn't even you. He set you up. See, I know this is, God's doing these God demos all the time. I'll just tell you a funny one. So Christy said that she'd gotten out the sacred journey to read it. I'm telling about you. And she had set it on her little ottoman. And somehow it, fe- and she was going to read it, but she didn't get time to, but it fell off and it hit the edge of her foot. The next two days, that thing got huge. And it is the whole thing is black and blue now. She can show it to you. But see, this morning when she was telling it, I was like, oh. She said, I think that there's something today. And I was like, she had no idea that I was going to read from the sacred journey today. And see, see, here's this weird thing we have. We don't want anything that looks what we claim negative. But see, she flipped that thing around. She's like, oh, she said, I was like, oh, you just don't even know what was going to happen today. It's just, see, God demos are occurring. We, let's quit putting them in the plus and minus column. He loves to get our attention in ways that are unorthodox. Are, are you a candidate? Or does it have to be all pretty and in a little package? See, I'm a candidate for whatever. He's anointed me as a messenger to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to heal the wounds of the brokenhearted and to tell captives you're free. And to the prisoners, be free from your darkness. Now, interesting enough, over in in that scripture I just read you, there's a major difference between the two quotations. One of them actually lists, when Jesus quotes it, he actually lists the that the blind eyes will see. And it really doesn't say that in in uh, Isaiah 61. But I was thinking to myself, well, why did he include that? Of course, it is included in those other ones in Isaiah. But why did he include that right there? He was actually quoting it, and the quote wasn't exactly right. Why? Because I've, I propose to you because that was the key <laughs> to John knowing it was him. Because the one thing that Jesus has to do, he has to clear away our spiritual blindness. Because nothing, I can't see to do anything else. That has to be first. Let's go back to our little Isaiah scripture. Ah. I just want to read every little commentary. I'm trying to decide if I can. I love this because when he said, be released from your darkness, he said, release the blind from darkness. Isn't that interesting? Did you know that when people are spiritually blind, then they're actually making decisions in the darkness? You know, think about it like this. When you go into uh, your bedroom, most of us have a closet probably. When you turn the light on in the bedroom, it's not that the light on is in the closet. 
is that there's a blockage to the light cascading into the closet, right? Even if the light's not on in the closet and you open the door between the closet and the bedroom, the light from the bedroom doesn't stop just because there's a doorway. Your ability to utilize the light only comes when you remove the barrier. You understand? So that's why Jesus' intent is to make sure there's no offenses that block His light from coming through when you're proclaiming His glory. So He has to use a time where you're not proclaiming His glory. He has to use an experience where it's not a moment that you're proclaiming the goodness of God to remove the impediment from you so then when you're proclaiming who He is, it's pure. So he has, he has, he, God is doing all these things in everyone simultaneously all the time. You don't wake up one day and go, man, I hope I just get mad at somebody at work today. I hope my husband or my wife does something that just makes me mad. Mad. I hope I'm mad all day. I hope they do something that they've done over and over and over again, over and over. I hope they do it today because I hope all day long I can just walk away, walk all day mad. No one thinks that. Right? No one wants to walk around offended. Right? So why do we hang on to it? Because see... Hanging on to the offense or the offended party guarantees I'll be offended tomorrow. Guarantees I'll be offended on Tuesday. Because why? I'm carrying with me the boulder of offense. It's right here. It's called a chip on my shoulder. It's always with me. And so every... I don't get enough ice in my lemonade. I'm offended. They should have known. That's why when you, if you go to a restaurant and you keep getting your order wrong over and over and over, that's, the, that's this what's going on right here. That's what's going on. I'm telling y'all, this is what's going on. And it will be wrong forever. You get, we have lots of, we, we have all these customers. When I see a season where we're having people unhappy, we're right here. We're right here. we got something going on. You see, Jesus, he never stops wanting you to proclaim him. But he doesn't want an altered viewpoint of him coming out of your mouth. Which is worse? Which is worse, to tell people how much Jesus loves them with an offended heart? Or to not tell them at all? You ask yourself that question. See, I, if it's not a pure product, I don't want it coming out. If it's not excellent, I don't want it coming out. I want to get, the, I want to get in the closet, in the secret place, with, when he's got a scaffold in his hand, he's got the sword in his hand, he says, come here. If there's nothing to touch, I just have intimacy. But see, what we do, we want to avoid the secret place till we get all cleaned up. 
And then we wonder why our hands are dead, why we don't see any miracles, why our prayers aren't answered, why we struggle in our relationships, why everywhere we go they get our food wrong, we get too much ice, too little ice. We're always blaming everyone else because why our expectations are when I go out in the world, it's going to meet my needs in some way. You see, when I, when I choose to wrestle with the one, have you ever wrestled with the one I have? I do it all the time. You think that nobody in here, I said it before, nobody in here offends me? <laughs> nobody in here promises me stuff that they're going to do or be or say or whatever and they don't come through? You don't think there's customers that, you know, I give all my time and attention to and try to show them all this beautiful stuff and they just go pick ugly stuff? You don't think I'm offended? <laughs> opportunities everywhere it just depends on what lens you're carrying i love this i want y'all to go home and read isaiah 61 because i don't have time to do it but i want to read you a couple of snippets it says the title of the messiah is taken from the word to anoint the messiah means the anointed one in both hebrew and in greek it says, our Lord quoted this passage in where I was telling you, and he introduced his jubilee ministry to Israel. It says the first three verses of this Isaiah 61 are describing Jesus' mission. Listen to Jesus' mission. Can I tell you something? Yeah. This is your mission. Yeah. If Jesus lives in you and this is not your mission, you're going to be in conflict. Yeah. And he's going to be saying, you're yoked up to me. What is a yoke? He said, everyone who's weary, come and yoke up with me. Come and get underneath a wooden yoke if you're tired. What does that tell you? I'm tired in doing it in my own strength. Humans are so strong, we can do a lot without him. And he says, have you gotten to the end of yourself yet? Have you got, are you so offended you can't even recognize who I am? They come in, come on, come on with your weary old crippled self and yoke up with a wood yoke. Because why he knows he'll be carrying you. He knows you can't run away. You don't have to brag on Phil. I'm like, man, I don't know if I could do it. I mean, he stayed. He just, I said, I said, I, it was not even a week before he had breakthrough. I was like, man, that Phil, man, he can stick in there. I mean, that is like, um, I said, that's, I told C. Well, I said, that is just a testament of his character right there. He just kept coming, although it was crappy. None of his knees were getting mad around here. Uh-uh, zero. Whew. Right? That should show us something, right? So here it is. To open the door of grace to the world. See, right there in your mind, you already have an expectation. Right there. You just, you didn't ask him. You just went, oh, I know what that means. Didn't you? We got to ask him what that even means. Grace is the power. Did you remember that seatbelt dream that, she, that Christy had? Yes. It's truth. Yes. You can't have grace without truth. Yes. We want to give unsanctified mercy and call it something else. Oh, y'all are not hearing me. 
Number two was to proclaim the day of vengeance on sin. And see, I thought, I know y'all thought that was vengeance on people. Do you understand sin isn't people? No. You don't get it. Sin. Jesus came to proclaim vengeance on sin. It's not people. Everyone is just partnering with different levels of sin that they don't have truth on. And so that's how you know their partnership is how easily offended they are. Oh, gosh, I don't think you're getting it. Claim vengeance on sin, vengeance on darkness, vengeance on sickness, and eventually exposing the goat nations. What does that mean? What is nations? Let's do a little lesson. What's nations? What's a goat? (laughs) It's a stubborn spirit. Right there. (laughs) See, that's what offense does. Over and over. And when no one patronizes it, no one coddles it, no one... See, because God's trying to get rid of self. S-E-L-F. And we're trying to... We're putting plaster. It's like these walls. We're sticking stuff up there. I had Tracy come and scrape that wall because it's just falling on the stairs. We're trying to act like we need to cover it. So we're working against Jesus that's in us. He's saying, I'm here to say sin is done with. Sickness is done with. Darkness is done with. And I'm going to expose everybody who acts like they're a sheep, but they're really a goat. Wouldn't you want to partner with him? Wouldn't you want to learn how to use Jesus's words to expose that? No, we don't do that. We want to use our offended words. See, we didn't work out the offense. And so our calling is still operational. (laughs) See, our gift is operational all the time, even when we're not good at it. You were good at this stuff when you were a little kid. You could see stuff. You know, let's take Abe. He's a good example. So Abe's somebody who can see stuff that's not right. But he's not in a position of authority anywhere. Just over his own little blue self here. That's it. (laughs) That's the only only thing he can manage is this. And I guarantee you, because I know his calling, I know his gift set, because others in here have it, he runs up against stuff that's frustrating all the time because it's out of order. And isn't God funny? I'm going to let you see all the out of order and give you absolutely no ability to change it. Not until what? Until we wrestle with the man. See, he'll have to have a season that he wrestles. Does he want to be what God called him to be? Or does he just want to be somebody that judges everybody because they can't get it right? See, we, it all comes down that your gift set was operational from birth. Yeah. And see, what we've done is we've twisted it and we've made it about us. Yeah. Okay, I have 700 more scriptures. But wait, I just want to read one more. 
It says, Jesus is the tree of life and he multiplies himself in us so we become trees of righteousness. A tree becomes a forest. See, the goal of Jesus is to multiply himself in you. That's why the impediments have to go. That's why the judgments have to go. I guarantee you the things that are messing you up with your current walk are the things you're actually probably called to do, but they have been so twisted and warped that they're used against you now. Yes. And you can't get over the hump. That's it. You know, Phil sent Pam a, 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 an encouraging word the other day, and I was like, that's Phil. That's Phil. He's like, man, that person needs encouragement. Let me just rock something over there to him. I mean, we know he can do it to Sidwell, but we're not talking about that right now. <laughs> See, he's got to be able to look out beyond... The one. And that's not a capital one either. Beyond the one. Why? And I told him this when I talked to him. I said, listen, you've got to maintain that all of this relationship, that it doesn't go away. And see, that's the hard part about our gift. It's like we just we want to just be one-trick ponies. That's, just, that's the reality because that satisfies us the most. But see, when you wrestle with a man, you get a new name. And your new name says... You cannot do anything like that old nature and be satisfied. Can you still do it? Absolutely. But it doesn't fit in with becoming a force. And it doesn't fit in with what Jesus has called us to do. I just want to encourage you to to read Isaiah 29 and and Isaiah 35. And let me read three more scriptures and I'll be done. In Luke 4, I promise just three more. In Luke 4, it's the parable of the seed, okay? Y'all know that parable? Let's turn there real quick. Or not. Luke 4. So he t- you know, you can go home and read the parable of a seed, right? Okay. I want to read you this little snippet. Somewhere in Luke 4. So Luke 4 is when he's quoting Isaiah 61 as well. And that's where he says, um, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, the Messiah, because he has anointed me to preach the good news to the poor. He sent me to announce the release, pardon or forgiveness to the captives, recover sight of the blind, to set free those who are oppressed and downtrodden and crushed by tragedy. Does that make sense? And so that that's who we are, right? And so in the parable of the seed, he talks about that that those who cannot receive the seed is one of the reasons. There's four reasons, but one of the reasons, again, is the same word, scandal on, is because of there's offense. So think about it today. There's seed being cast. It's just a practical statement. When, when seed goes out, if there's something about it that you focus on that feels that you feel offended or you feel like you can't understand that's because that seed is trying to dislodge an impediment in its specific place and it's trying to be planted and that's why it came that's why the seed came because it wants you and you have to say oh there's that impediment Ooh, like i just got stuck on that i want that out it's not a hard thing. You just say, go. I don't want that in you. You get someone, hey, help me. Uh, you know, like a lot of times when that gets said, this square comes up. I don't even know what's wrong with me. Right? Because the seed isn't getting planted. Okay, I got one more scripture for you. 
You can go read that about the parable of the seeds, right? Really, I have seven more scriptures, but just let me read this one. Okay, let me just read this one. Okay, I'm going to read this one, okay? This is, this is, I really have seven more, but I'm trying to pick one. Second Corinthians 3, it says, You are the living letter of the anointed one, the liberating king. Did you get that? Yes. What's a letter? What, what do you do with a letter? You read it. You're the living letter. What's a letter? You've got words written on you. Someone's reading you. See, when I read Pammy's letter today, it says pray, and so then I prayed. When I read her letter, I was one way, and now I'm a completely... I'm read, right? You. That's what's happening with your life. That's why it's so important that you know you're a living letter. Of the anointed one, the liberating king. So I better have something... They're reading. I better not have it covered up with some squares. Right? Right? Are you are you following me at all? I don't know if you are. Nurtured by us and inscribed, not with ink, but with the spirit of the living God. That's who's trying to inscribe this letter on you. Are you with me? It says... This letter is too passionate to be chiseled onto stone tablets. Where did we get that metaphor? What was on stone tablets? The Ten Commandments. The Ten Commandments can be summed up in what? Love God, love people. Right? So we don't need to walk around with two things of Ten Commandments anymore. Right? Right? Let me see. Thou shalt not, right? He's writing it where? Listen, a letter too passionate to be chiseled onto stone tablets, but emblazoned, emblazoned. We put that in a song. Mendel put that in a song. Emblazoned upon the human heart. I just found this scripture yesterday. I didn't even know emblazoned was in there. Emblazoned. What's emblazoned mean? It's on fire. So that means nothing can be in there but fire. Right? Are you sure? Yes. I think this was a good word. It's actually, it's actually Mark. I just want to clarify. It's Mark 4 where the sower is. Sorry, I think I said uh, Luke 4, didn't I? But yeah, because it says, it says um, the one, they have no real root in themselves so they endure only for a little while then when trouble or persecution comes because of the word so you're hearing the word today you came here willingly right i didn't make you come remember right i didn't i didn't tell anybody to pay them right you're paying me no right you're paying me to give you this word that then Jesus blows up in your life. That's a good gig for you. It says, when a little trouble or a little persecution come because of the word, you wouldn't even be experiencing any trouble if you hadn't heard it today. You're going to go out here later and you're going to get some chances for trouble to come because of what I'm saying. 
He says, because they immediately are offended and displeased at being associated with me and stumble away. That's what's happening. Is we're like, oh, well, I didn't really mean for the word to do that. I needed to be nice, like a, like a, like a fluffy little chocolate pudding. That's what I, I need some chocolate pudding. <laughs> and I just needed to be. But no, that's not what the word does. It says the word is a scalpel. So listen, I didn't even know this until just now, but um, while I was preaching, actually. But but Cece wrote this word, and I actually thought we would save it for 4th of July because it has to do with the origination of America. She had a dream, and in the dream, the baby's name was America. And she wrote this amazing word outside her scope of her lovely, you know, how she's normally Papa Daughter. This is amazing, and I really, I'm really going to be playing, praying into it, but what's so cool is it goes along so well with what I ended up talking about today. So I want her to come share it with you. Wow. Wow, the Holy Spirit is so amazing. It's it's so funny because yeah, like my I'm I just feel like fireworks are going off inside of me right now because there's so many so many things that are sinking, you know. It's like, oh, that goes with that goes with that. Like and the funny thing was I I was telling Tisa this morning, I just don't really feel connected with what's you know going to happen today. <clears throat> and now I'm I'm over there trying to ask the Holy Spirit to help me select which parts to share with you because there were so many connections. <clears throat> so um, I think that I was hoping this would sink, but it may not have synced. So um, as Tisa, <clears throat> that's okay, I'm going to try to close it out and open, reopen it and see if it'll sink. Um, so I have to lay a little bit of groundwork about this dream. Um, she she prefaced it already with the name of this um, baby. There was a, a baby or a girl named America. <clears throat> there it is in my dream. And so the dream, I'm not going to read the whole dream or anything. It's, it um, was basically a story about these this man and this woman, and they were a different race from each other, and they fell in love, and for some reason they were separated um, and one of them was taken into cap the, the woman was taken into captivity. The bride was taken into captivity. And I figured out later that the, the racial part of the dream just represented, there were two different, these are two different, uh, beings. I feel like it represents, it was Jesus. Um, Jesus was, so he's God and man basically. So God and man in my dream had this love affair, and then they were separated. The The bride was taken into captivity. And so the bridegroom, in the dream, the man set out to try to find her and get her, you know, to, re to rescue her. But by the time he got to where she was, um, she had passed away, but she had had their baby. And like I said, I don't know which one it was, but either the bride or the baby, they were na their name was America. And so then the dream just continued to play out where then the dream came, this huge operation was um, underway to then try to rescue the baby, to get the baby out from captivity. And it was a long drawn out process. And so the baby grew into a child and basically it looked like there were this operation that ensued took multiple generations. And so you skip ahead in the dream and then there was... Um, 
the there there was the the rescue they were finally reconciled there was like another couple that was now reconciled and um like they were able to get into the where the cap where they had been held captive and to be together again so they were going to get married but which that sounds like an awesome celebration, right? Except like I said, multiple generations had gone by by this point. And so then as soon as the wedding was set, the, um, the girl realized that, well, she wasn't really in love with this particular guy. Like it really wasn't her personal marriage that wasn't the goal to this man. It was representative of something larger. So basically it seemed in the dream that what started many generations ago Something happened over the course of time where the goal got sort of skewed. And so everyone was swept up in this overarching goal to reunite love that had been torn apart, I would say. But how to go about doing that had become sort of tweaked a little bit. So that set... I mean, of course, now that what started it all was this baby or this girl's name was America. So Tisa and I were discussing the dream and we were asking the Holy Spirit. And I just went into this time of really wanting to honor why he gave me this dream. And so we started talking about America, the nation. Well, what was the original goal of the nation? Maybe, you know, we're many generations in as a nation now. And if something was stolen or something got off track from the beginning, we would want to get back on track, right? So I went into this process of asking the Holy Spirit, well, what, why did America get created? Why was this nation formed? And I've heard different people say different things, but I really wanted his heart on it. And, and, and I knew it wasn't any of the typical things that are probably coming to your mind now. But I wanted to ask Father God, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, why did you start this love affair? Why did you pursue a bride named America? Like, what was in your heart? What was the purpose? And so I launched into this process, and I, I started talking, you know, this is me talking, and there's all sorts of symbolism in this, so just, I think it will continue to unfold um, as perfectly the Holy Spirit led Tisa to perfectly set this up again because nations are people right people are nations so the Holy Spirit already set the stage for us so I started writing I said how did this all begin how did it start with an invitation with a plan was it for commerce for religion or for just some good old-fashioned freedom I sense it was more than this I sense it was more than just man's plan, more than just a way to make a better day, more than just a way to do it our own way. What plan of man existed without divine intervention anyway? Who planted hope in the hearts of men? Who stirred up dreams for greater scenery? Who stirred up the desire to expand? Wasn't it always him? So then when does the time come for us to ask what he had in mind with all of this? When do we stop and ask why he initiated all of it? We're so quick to remember our own desires and our own motives. It's so easy to add them as fuel to the fire. But when do we tap into what sparked it all to begin with? 
When do we ask him what lit the fire inside of him? Are we so captivated by our own ideas, ideas, ideals, and visions that we fail to remember that there's one with an original plan? Do we elevate our own motives above his? Do we claim to worship him but fail to exalt him above the plans and ways of men? Do our forefathers bear more weight than him? Who decided what this nation was about or was for? Who decided what this temple should look like? Are we a nation of idols or a nation of temples? Are we billboards for humanity or temples for his exalting? Perhaps we've gotten things out of order. Perhaps we've mistaken the means from the end. Methods and motives are two separate things. I sense we've mistaken one for the other, or perhaps we've even forgot to care about motive. Holy Spirit, come and show us what started it all. Show us the original why in the heart of the Father. Help us become like children intent on his pleasure. With this one thing in mind, realign our hearts and the hearts of those in this nation with your original desire. When we stand, let it be on the conviction of his original desire. When we pray, let our words be expressions of what he had in mind. Let us as a nation say together, not our will, but yours. May humility clear the way for the freedom you desire. Let us not just repent for what we allowed or mistakenly followed, but also for forgetting the why in the heart of the Father. And he said, my beloved, once again, it started with a walk in a garden. I felt the heart of true desire for me, and I made a way for it to spread its wings. Over and over, man has restricted the growth of this one thing. It's not so different than the journey of each individual, nations and man, men and nations, just different expressions of the same manifestation. How much freedom of my expression do you allow in yourself? Do you allow me to express my divinity, my desires, my delights in you personally? Or do you restrict and regulate for fear of making a mistake? Nations and man, men and nations, just different levels of the same manifestation. I saw true freedom begin to have expression and I made a place for it to expand. Not the freedom of man, but freedom for my expression. He said, this nation wasn't created to free man. This nation wasn't created to free them from their restraints or religious persecution. This nation was created for my expressions to freely expand. Yeah. 
You see, I saw hearts opening and taking my hand. They met me in the garden instead of the building. They took my hand and began to stay longer than originally planned. They opened their hearts to my expressions within and found new meaning to life, to liberty, to love's original intent. Room was made, time was spent, hearts began to expand, and I knew it was time to breathe on this. So I made a way, and I chose the place, and I established a nation in a brand new way. It was so fresh and new, with room for so many to have a good view. The very notion of freedom became a brand. The United States of America took shape, and man began to capitalize on the only thing feeble minds could understand of freedom. They sold it, built on it, promoted it, farmed it, and harvested great fame. Notoriety grew of what they could gain, and definitions of freedom were put in place. Freedom became the mascot, the commercial banner waved over this great nation I made. But capital gains and the power discovered in what just two hands could make blinded them from the main thing. They forgot the garden, forgot our walks. They forgot the desire for me they'd once felt. They made no place for me in their definition of freedom. This limited definition of freedom was focused only on what man could freely gain. Freedom came to mean what no longer bound a man. But you see, this freedom was originally designed for me. for my full expression to have room to expand, for my delights and desires to take shape within the hearts of man, for my love and passion to flow without restraint or regulation. What no longer bound a man ended up binding me. Self-expression, self-awareness, self-made, Self-confidence, self-esteem, self-sufficiency, self-worth, self-pity, self-righteousness, self-defense, self-help, self-restraint, self-sustaining, self-determination, self-consciousness, self-talk, self-centeredness, just to name a few, is what began to grow in this definition of freedom. You see, I'd already set man free. Man wasn't in need of freedom. He said, I was. It's man's overexpression and captivation with itself 
that binds me over and over again. When divinity is bound by its own creation, chaos and destruction ensues. It's not my doing or my wish. It's the result of a natural disorder. Man exalted above divinity will always impede life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. True freedom will return to this nation when hearts and minds return to the desire for my freedom of expression. True freedom and prosperity will return in and through those who exalt my freedom above their own. So I say again, nations and man, men and nations, just different expressions of the same manifestation. How much freedom of my expression do you allow in yourself? Do you allow me to ex- express my divinity, my desires, my delights in you personally? Or do you restrict and regulate for fear of making a mistake? Nations and man, men and nations, just different levels of the same manifestation. The nation goes as you go. It changes with you. It changes when men decide to make room for my freedom of expression within them. On the 4th of July this year, let Independence Day return to my original intent. Shout of my independence from the suppression and restraints within man. Celebrate my freedom of expression in the hearts of man. When the cry goes out to let freedom ring with all your heart, shout, make way for the king. amazing you're so amazing so holy spirit we just say thank you for this insight of how we can partner with you in prayer not only for the individual people around us but for the nation thank you for this brand new insight and this powerful powerful insertion of prayer that we can begin to partner with you in for the freedom true freedom in this nation Thank you for redefining freedom for us. And Holy Spirit, I just want to say thank you that you are so generous with this tribe. You are so generous. It's clear to me you have been paving the way for this. You've been removing those impediments, those things out of each of us individually so that we could even comprehend this word. You've been paving the way in each of us to make way for the king. 
step by step, step by step, and you honor those who follow the breadcrumbs, you honor those who listen to the truth and take heed to the teachings and partner in their in fullness with what you're saying each and every week. So we thank you for how generous you are with our tribe. Thank you for the way you honor our efforts in our partnership with you, our yes to you, that you honor our yes to you. We just say, let it be so, Papa. Let it be so in our own hearts. Forgive us for all the times that we have suppressed you, that we've restricted your expression in us. Forgive us. And we just say we repent, we return away from that, and that we will every possible chance we get in the days to come, we will do it different next time. We will do it different next time. And we know we, that we will have opportunities to put this word into practice. This whole message today, we're going to have opportunities to do that. And we know that. And so we say yes to you ahead of time. We say yes, yes, yes to you. We yield to the full expression that you want to have through us. Just as the song said today, we say we... I yield everything to the passionate pursuit, your passionate pursuit. Before we completely close up today, I just wanted to add one more thing that the Holy Spirit highlighted for me just to show you how much this is all on his heart and how sweet he is in thinking of us. He just wants us to know this. He's writing on these words and these messages and these songs and our worship and everything that we're, we're doing. I had not, I didn't know what Tisa was going to talk about today. And I hadn't read that part in the blessing about Jacob, but that stood out to me that about his thigh, I didn't know that's what the thigh represented when she was sharing that the one wrestling with Jacob grabbed his thigh and that that was that part of our representative of our human strength, right? So I happened to hear this week somebody say that Jesus had faithful written on his thigh. And I just, out of all the stuff I had heard on this subject, that really stuck out, stuck out to me. So I searched it out a little bit and I found that the reference, I believe that what he was talking about was in Revelation 19, now, just a little bit above that verse, listen to this. Guess what's on in this same chapter in Revelation 19? Verse 9, Then the angel said to me, Write these words, Wonderfully blessed are those who are invited to feast at the wedding celebration of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. So I don't think it's any mistake that we said, uh, talked about coming to the feast, to feast on his love today. Wonderfully blessed are those who are invited to feast on the wedding celebration of the lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. I feel like the Holy Spirit is just saying like every word shared today, every part of it, these are the true words of God. These aren't just, you know, this isn't just human reasoning or some logical thing that, that this so was able to pull all this together today. These are the true words of God. So in 11, verse 11, Revelation 19, it says, I saw heaven opened and suddenly a white 
horse appeared. The name of the one riding it was faithful and true. And with pure righteousness, he judges and rides to battle. He wore many regal crowns and his eyes were flashing like flames of fire. He had a secret name inscribed on him that's known only to himself. He wore a robe dipped in blood and his title is called the Word of God. Following him on the white horses were the armies of heaven wearing white fine linen, pure and bright. A sharp sword came from his mouth with which to conquer the nations. We experienced that today. A sharp sword, that's the scalpel, came from his mouth which which to conquer the nations, the people. The people and the nation. And he will shepherd them with an iron scepter. He will trample out the wine in the winepress of the wrath or passion of God. On his robe and on his thigh, he had inscribed a name, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So when we go through our week today and we have that opportunity to exchange our own thigh This is what we have available to grasp onto in that moment. The King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, we can make a choice in that moment to partner with him and to receive his strength. King of Kings, Lord of Lords, written on his thigh. So just take that imagery with you into this week because it's powerful. So again, Papa, we just say thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. We are so grateful. We are grateful, grateful, grateful children. We are grateful children. Thank you that the very first time that the song that was saying, Let Freedom Ring, was in a children's choir in a church. It was the very first time that those words were sung out loud. So I thank you that you're giving us an opportunity as your children as your children to say, let real freedom ring. Let real freedom ring, true freedom. So we're so grateful. We're so, so grateful. We're humbled and we're so grateful. So Holy Spirit, I just thank you for the way that you're going to move in advance into our into the coming days and you're going to do this work in us individually. We will celebrate it when it happens. We will celebrate it, we will partner with you, and we will rejoice in even the things that offend us because we now know what lies on the other side of the wrestling. So we thank you. And Holy Spirit, I just pray that you make this word burn within each person hearing it, that you just make it burn within them and that it would have its full and complete work in everyone who hears it. So we thank you, we praise you, we give you all glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from One Life OK. For more information, please visit us at onelifeok.com.